All right, how's it going, everybody? Uh, I'm still getting used to all this live streaming stuff, and I keep forgetting to hit the mute button on the replay on YouTube because there is, full disclosure, if you guys don't know this already, there's like a five to ten second lag between what's actually coming out of my mouth and by the time you guys see it. So anyways, welcome to Renaissance Man. I am your host, Rob Fishbeck. If you guys are joining me, coming right off of the World Girls Sunday Wind Down, it was a... Very interesting episode, to say the least. Um, they, they went a little longer than I thought, so it's a little later than I thought. But here we all are. I'm glad everybody's here. We've got a couple people. If you're in the chat, what up, what up, what up? I know I see Star and Legoland, my awesome mod. We got Sir Joker 40 John Get Bent, uh, Rob Al Fishbeck. My middle name's John, actually, Sir Joker. So got another RJ in the house. That's no joke. You can look it up. Um, I don't, I don't think people put their birth certificates online, but it's true. Yeah. My middle name is John. Um, did you make that intro music? Yes, I did. It's actually a compilation of like, so I wanted it to be, I'll make this quick and then we'll get into Phil Spector. I wanted it to be like rock and roll meets 60 minutes. That's kind of the whole vibe I was going for. And that like the clocks at the beginning, you know, like on 60 minutes where they have the click, the Click, 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 click. So that, and then I wanted something elegant, so like a piano. And then it's like, one, two, three, four. And then it turns into like a like a punk rock alternative thing. So it's like different facets of my personality like melt, melted together. Um, could pretty much do theme music for anybody's YouTube show. And have written songs in the past. So what up, what up? Chris Martinez in the house. I love the tornadoes, but this is not a tornado show. We uh, we send flamingos here for positive things, and when we're angry, we send alligator emojis. So at least that's what I'm thinking as of right now. I should just naturally let things happen, but that's kind of like where my mind went because those are some of my favorite animals. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm definitely down for the flamingo thing because that would be pretty dope. But... You guys let me know. We have to come up with a name for this community because, you know, we're slowly growing and uh, all kinds of other things to go down. Weston Iris says, just waiting for the inevitable Chicago pizza is the best episode. Uh, uh, Weston, I, do you live in Illinois? Because, I mean, I can go, I can have the best Chicago pizza on the entire planet here in less than 30 minutes. Like, no problem. So, pretty sure flamingos are evil. Have you heard the song, I'm a Flamingo? No. It's whatever you want, at Rob Fishback. Oh, Hel my sister Helen joined the chat. The flamingos. I don't know, I like flamingos. Uh, we'll come up with something. Let's, we'll have a private, private chat on that whole thing some other time. But I've got to get to a few things very quickly because I actually have another uh, meeting to go to. So, we're just going to get right into it. So today, we lost Phil Spector. Wasn't really much of a loss, though, because he was a terrible excuse for a human being in multiple facets. Um, in 2003, he murdered Lana Clarkson, and it took multiple years and, a, and two trials, but they eventually found him guilty, and he went away in 2009 to prison, and that's where he has been since then until he died. So... It is what it is. There are also insane amounts of evidence of the abuse that he had with women over the years. Um, one of the one of the prominent ones 
was his wife from 1968 to 1974, Ronnie Spector, who was the lead singer of the Ronettes, which we'll get to in a moment. But he basically, like, he would take her shoes so she couldn't go anywhere. Like, he would just take her shoes. Um, and she felt trapped, and she would, it was very abusive. He was that way with multiple women. Um, he was a terrible person. But it cannot be downplayed that he was a musical master. It's a similar situation with Bill Cosby. Bill Cosby, terrible person. But what he did to bring African-American uh, comedy and, and black comedy um, to a mainstream audience, to a white audience, cannot be erased from history. You know, Richard Pryor was a lot more for people like in their 20s. And, you know, obviously it was a lot more vulgar where Bill Cosby was very family friendly. And... The Cosby Show, like, I, as much as I watched Full House, I liked The Cosby Show way more than I liked Full House. So it can't be taken away that Bill Cosby did do a lot in terms of, you know, having a, you know, like, a, a large impact on the progress for that. So I don't want to say too much more because otherwise I'm just going to end up getting in trouble. But let's get on to Phil Spector. So I'm going to look in the comments real quick and then we'll get right down to it. Oh, flamingos, flamingos, bats, cakes, cheesecake. Oh boy. Yep. In Illinois, unfortunately. Wesson, we've got so many other things to talk about. I had no idea you lived in Illinois. Uh, if you don't mind saying, what part of Illinois do you live in? I live uh, in the suburbs. I'll, I'll leave it at that. Um, we've got fish. Yeah, fish would work. It's a little too on the nose. Can't do whales. Can't do, even though I'm the one that started that, because that clip, that was a random thing that was said that I guarantee you they forgot about 10 minutes later. And then I made that reel and took that clip and put it in there. And now it's become a thing. I will take ownership and credit that I made the whale's vagina happen. Uh, poor Ronnie, especially since she started her career so young. Okay, so let's get right into it. So representation matters, but Bill can, but Bill can rot. Bill can definitely rot. Sir Joker's got... What the fuck are those? Are those some sort of sea creatures? Chris Martinez says, It's sometimes difficult to separate the art from the artist, but when it's someone who's adjacent to the artist, yes, yeah, separation is easier. Exactly. Like, we could talk, I could talk about uh, one of my, oh, Weston says, Wasn't Chicago moved to a different area in recent years? Interesting. We could talk about that later, Weston. Um, no offense. I just, I got to get to some things real quick here. Even though I did ask you the question. I'm, I'm the one that asked you the question. Uh, I like the guitar symbol star. That's great. Um, so Ryan Adams is a prime example. Ryan Adams is somebody that I have loved as a songwriter for 15 years. He's still one of my favorite songwriters of all time. He used to be in my top five favorite artists of all time. But due to things that have come out recently, it's like, all right, I, I can slip Jason Isbell in there and take him out. Uh, that being said... I still listen to his music, and I don't listen to it often, as often as I used to, but I still listen to it because he was a great songwriter. I can't do Michael Jackson. I, I just can't. I don't like, I can't listen to his music. It just, he makes me, like, violently ill, like, just thinking about him. Louis C.K., that's a whole other story. We've talked, uh, other people have talked about cancel culture before on YouTube, so I don't need to retread the same path that's been driven down, though I do have some of my own takes on them. We'll save that for another day. 
Phil Spector, however, invented a thing called the wall of sound. What Phil Spector did for the music industry, particularly, I call, I, I break, the way I break rock and roll down, rock and roll history, is in multiple eras. So the first era is early rock and roll. What, you know, I don't even go back as far as like the late 40s, early 50s, where rock and roll had kind of had some, some, some roots where it really kind of started. I say the first era of rock and roll is pretty much 1954, 1955 to 1960. Elvis Presley, Jerry Lee Lewis, Fats Domino, Little Richard. When all those cats came on the scene, that's the first era of rock and roll, at least what I refer to it as. The second era of rock and roll is pretty much like 5960 through 1964, 1965. 1964, 1965 is when Dylan went electric. Okay, The Beatles met Dylan and started taking songwriting a lot more seriously. And we had records like Rubber Soul that came out. Uh, the Rolling Stones finally hit the scene and were cranking out songs like Satisfaction. And the youth culture in the mid-1960s had really taken over. Okay, so the second era of rock and roll is where Phil Spector played his hand. Rock and roll would have never, pop music, pop music, rock and roll would never have been the same had it not been for Phil Spector. So I'm going to go into a little bit of detail on that right now. Imagine this, because this, this is what I feel, okay? When I hear Phil Spector's music and his productions, I feel the sweat on the leather seats in the back of your parents' car parked out somewhere on a desert road at 2 o'clock in the morning while you make love to your significant other. And there's static, a staticky radio station that's playing, that's playing The Righteous Brothers, You've Lost That Love and Feeling, The Ronettes, Be My Little Baby, River Deep Mountain High by Ike and Tina Turner. That is what Phil Spector automatically brings to my mind. It's fucking music. It's music that people fucked to before Barry White was a thing. Okay? It is some of the greatest music that has ever existed. Still to this day. I found out he died and was like, well, you know, hopefully he's burning in hell. And then the next thing that I did was I went on Spotify and I pulled up the, his compilation Back to Mono. And I listened to his music for, or music that he had produced for about a solid 30 minutes. It's music I've heard a thousand times, but it's phenomenal. Da Do Ron Ron, Then He Kissed Me, anything that the Crystals put out is absolutely phenomenal. I'm going to hop back into the comments real quick and we'll get right back to this. John Gibb Bent says, rock and roll is not Mr. Rogers. It's got a lot of issues, but what's kind of accepted within that world. Exactly. You know, Jerry Lee Lewis was fucking his cousin, his 13-year-old cousin. They got married, and he basically got outed. You know, he was basically thrown out of rock and roll. Well, you know, he's a hillbilly from the South, and I don't mean that to sound bad. You know, he's this backwoods guy. I don't mean that to sound bad. In that era, and, you know, in his culture, it was okay to do that. So once everybody found out, and they kind of, you know got rid of him, I guess. But at the same time, you know, Elvis had joined the army, right? Jerry Lee Lewis got in all that heat. Chuck Berry was in prison for taking underage girls across state line. I could sit here and tell you guys early rock and roll, roll stories all day that would make your stomach churn because 
that shit wouldn't fly these days. But it was it was passable back then. Like Chuck Berry, I have a Chuck Berry poster over on my wall. Great guitar player, great songwriter, terrible human being. Okay, so to hop right back into Phil Spector, Gold Star Studios in Los Angeles, California, is where most of these records were cut with a backing with a group of session musicians called the Wrecking Crew. If you want to learn all about the Wrecking Crew, there's a great documentary called The Wrecking Crew that I actually donated money to when I was 19 years old to help fund so they could get it out to the world. They put this, it was basically getting the rights to use all the music. I would get emails, three email addresses ago. I would get emails from them all the time. We need your help. We need your help. I remember I gave them $10 one time and then another time I gave them another $10. I donated money to help get this documentary out there and secure the music rights. It is absolutely phenomenal. There's another great documentary called 20 Feet from Stardom that I cannot recommend enough. Anyway, so using this group of session musicians called the Wrecking Crew, which are some of the greatest musicians of all time, they also played on the Beach Boys records and Sonny and Cher and Frank Sinatra. I The list goes on all day. They're, they're phenomenal. But what Phil Spector did with them in the early 60s, early and mid-60s, changed the game. You know, I love Roy Orbison's rockabilly music, but I love his orchestral pop music as much, if not more. Well, Phil Spector didn't produce Roy Orbison, but the people that did were definitely taking a page out of Phil Spector's playbook. For example, Wrecking Crew 2008 looks like it's on Hulu. Thank you very much, Legoland. That is why you were a moderator. Um, it's great. Love that documentary, says Ken. Yes, it's phenomenal. Anyways, so what is the wall of sound? Because you guys are probably curious to know, what is the wall of sound? The wall of sound, and I wish if it wasn't so late and I would have had a little more heads up, I probably would have called my friend Ben, who owns a recording studio, which I actually cut my first album at. That's how we met each other. Uh, it's a very good friend of mine. And he's an audio engineer. He's an expert at audio engineering. He knows every single thing about it. He's, he's fantastic. He actually is also a professor at uh, um, uh, Illinois State University in which he teaches classes on that. So what is the wall of sound? I'm going to give you guys my version, my kind of, I don't, for lack of a better term, dumbed down version of what the wall of sound is. The wall of sound, it's a very dense so what they would do is, is it's basically a backing track. So they'd get Ronnie Spector and the Ronettes to come in and they'd sing over this, right? But the track, the actual song itself, would be recorded in mono. And they would take, he would have three different piano parts that were playing. He'd have a harpsichord, an electric piano, and a regular piano all playing the exact same thing. And when you put it down into the mix... You couldn't differentiate, signal-wise, the harpsichord from the piano. It all sounded like one instrument, but it was this wall that was coming at you through the use of reverb and echo chambers, okay? So the sound, the sound itself could carry songs that weren't even that good. So if you kind of had this song and it's like, the melody's okay, the lyrics are fine, you got great singers on it, but the song's kind of whatever. Phil Spector, with his magic tricks, could make it sound so good that it would carry a so-so kind of song. 
So all of this directly influenced people like Brian Wilson, who was doing Beach Boys records, right? And then eventually did a record called Pet Sounds that Paul McCartney heard and was like, this is great. We should do something like this with the Beatles. And then the next year you get Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. It's literally a domino effect. So, you know, uh, prime examples would be, you know, Christmas, the snow's coming down. That is from an album from 1964 called A Christmas Gift for You. And it was Phil Spector just took his list of artists that worked under him. Like I said, he was a terrible person. But he took this list of artists and they cut this Christmas album. To this day, it's my favorite Christmas, other than Randy Travis's Old Time Christmas. It is my favorite Christmas album to listen to because it sounds amazing. The arrangements on it are all 10 out of 10. I'm going to hop back into the chat real quick. Everybody's talking to one another. I'm glad you guys are all hanging out. What's going on, Andrew? How's it going, buddy? Oh, some next level stuff for the time, for sure. Andrew says, I do admit that Spectre produced the great John Lennon Imagine album, which is the only credit that I'll give him, LOL. We're getting to that right now. So you've got this wall of sound. You've got this dense music. They would record this whole fucking orchestra. All of these, all of this stuff going down. And they'd record it in mono. The difference between mono and stereo is mono, it's coming at you from one signal, right? Whereas stereo, you've got separation. So if you've got headphones, right? Go back and listen to like some of the Beatles records from the mid to late 60s. Take one of your earphones out. Now you're just hearing Paul's bass and the piano and then take your left earphone out and put your right phone earphone in you hear Ringo's drums and the harmonies and, and the vocals right people got kind of goofy with the way they did stereo back in the 60s because they were like oh separation this is great then by the 70s and the 80s they kind of learned like we'll talk panning later but like pan this 20 percent pan that 20 percent don't pan at 80 percent and 80 percent you know the wide scope of signal right so with mono, we'll, we'll keep it simple. It's all coming at you like this. So it's literally this wall of sound. And it's a wall of sound because he's got all this shit going on with certain reverb and echo chambers. That way, because you never want to go into the red. I don't know if you guys have ever heard this term, going into the red. Especially with digital, that's how you get... That's the loudness war. We'll get to that later. But with this, trying to stay on subject... Going into the red causes what's called distortion. So, for example, right now, to, in, in order for me to get my audio levels up enough, because the first episode I did of this, the audio levels were not as loud as I wanted it to be. So right now I'm looking at my Streamlabs OBS program, and I'm not going into the red, but I'm very close. That way the mic level's decent, right? And that on the replay, and when you guys are listening to this, the loudness is there. A friend of ours, Roxy, Roxy Stryer, who is amazing, if you ever notice some of her episodes, and she's not the only one that's guilty of this, a lot of people are, um, it sounds a little blown out, and that's because you're hitting the red, so you're hitting that distortion level, and this has got nothing to do with her, I'm just using, because I know you guys watch her show, I'm just using it as an example. If I went up about two more decibels right now in Streamlabs OBS, I would be going into the red. And my audio back to you guys would sound a lot more blown out and distorted than it currently does. So without having that happen, 
between compression, echo, reverb, all kinds of basic rudimentary production tools that they had available in the 60s, though he had a big help in making bring to the mainstream, they could get this loud wall that's coming at you like a wave and right into your face without it sounding distorted. So I make note of that and I use, I use Roxy as an example because I know we all watch her show and it doesn't happen often, but once in a while you'll hear, sounds like it's a little blown out. All I have to do is turn mine up and it's the same thing. I just don't want to go into the red. So I'm just throwing that out there. I find this all very interesting. Anyways, so as I digress, I'm going to look back into here real quick. Vocal slapbacks make any singer sound great, too. That is true, Chris. That is uh, Slapback echo is actually what they used on a lot of Johnny Cash's stuff. Um, that's why it's got that. Between that and, an, and a, and a four-band EQ or a six-band EQ, you can really hone in into that, that kind of like low sound that Cash has. Throw a little bit of that echo on there so it doesn't muddy the mix. That's Once again, I'm getting into way too many specifics right now. But with Johnny Cash's voice, it's so low frequency-wise, right, that it's going to kind of dance around where the bass and some of the drums are at. And when you go to mix, they call it muddy in the mix. So in order, you want to bring his, his frequency up by putting some echo and some reverb on there so that it helps kind of differentiate his voice from everything else. Like I said, that is the most basic explanation I can give of that because we have to move on. But that being said, I hope you guys are learning and have tons, tons more questions because we can go over any of this stuff specifically in an entirely different show. By the way, shout out to Lloyd Nance who just sent in a Streamlabs saying, hi, Rob. Hi, Lloyd Nance. So happy to have you here. Uh, it's, it's great getting to know you and talking to you. James Bond forever. James Bond forever. Uh, love it. I'll hop back in the chat real quick. Ken says, at the time, he used more musicians than anyone else. By far, that is an excellent point. Wesson says, experimentation became specification. This is very true. Bruce Banff says, what's up? Oh, Ryan Payne says, made myself a snack after World Girls. What did I miss? Well, you have to go back on the replay because we're crunching on time and I got a little bit more to breeze through. And I know I'm talking real fast at you guys today. I probably sound like an auctioneer, but not every show of Renaissance Man with Rob Fishback will be that way. Anyways, John Gipben says, I'm learning some shit here tonight. Well, I'm glad you are. I used to do a podcast with my buddy Max called Rob's Rhythms. You guys can find on Spotify and all that jazz. It's fine. It's it, it a more of like a topic, like we're going to talk about different topics per episode. But I think I might bring that back as a separate show on this network that specifically talks about music. Um, there's all kinds of things going down right now, so we'll, we'll get to that later. Um, anyways, back to Phil Spector. So I said what I said earlier to get to this. By the mid to late 60s, rock and roll had changed. You got to understand something. The first era and the second era of rock and roll, it was the first time that pop music was target marketed to the youth culture. Prior to that, your parents are who bought records. Your parents listened to jazz music and your parents listened to the blues and Benny Goodman's orchestra and all that kind of stuff. And you would get these doggy in the window 45s with coloring books in them. You know, kids. It was kids' music. There wasn't music for the youth market. There wasn't music for teenagers. 
the World War II generation, that prior generation, that was, that's what they did. And then all of a sudden, here comes rock and roll, here comes pop music, right? And for the first time ever, music was target marketed to the youth. They made those records for people between 14, 15, and, and their early 20s. Because most people were married with kids by their early 20s. So they had this small window in which to throw Elvis Presley at you, throw Fast Domino at you, and get you to buy those records. It was freedom. It was sexual freedom. It was freedom from the, from the ties that bound us down and the chains that bound us down to the prior generation. And that's what was so great about early rock and roll and pop music. And Phil Spector had a major hand in that. Before I continue to the latter career of Phil Spector, got another awesome Streamlabs in from Star Gonzalez. Didn't know you had Streamlabs, my bad, haha, -ha. but sending you some support and rocking guitars. Thank you very much, Star. It is much greatly appreciated. Absolutely fantastic. I see I've got my other moderator here, Mr. Jake Yacovetta. He says, I'm here, but honestly working on something else, so I might not be here for all of it. That's okay, Jake. You can always come back on the replay and learn about all kinds of shit later on. Like I said, we'll get into way more specifics about any of these topics that you guys want to talk about at a later time. I'm going to try and cut out of here in about five to seven minutes. So, music changed, okay? Era one, era two, era three of rock and roll and pop music, that's what it was. Now you got the long-haired hippies, right? Um, the San Francisco sound started popping. Music started changing, and... So did everything else. So somebody like Phil Spector, just like any kind of pop music, after five to ten years, it's got an expiration date. So he found himself kind of in this, you know, looking for work kind of thing, right? Well, here come the 70s. Or I should say, here come the late 60s, early 70s. He became buddies with John Lennon and George Harrison. And because, I don't know if you guys know this, Abbey Road was the last album the Beatles recorded. They recorded Let It Be before they cut Abbey Road. So George Martin is busy working on, you know, doing Abbey Road. John, his idea, brought Phil Spector in to produce Let It Be. In 2002, or 2003, I should say, they came out with a new version of the Let It Be album called Let It Be Naked. So George Martin took those tapes and did his work on them. And to this day, I have the Let It Be CD. I also have it on vinyl. I don't listen to it. I listen to the George Martin version of Let It Be Naked because to me, those versions are far superior. Phil Spector made this record that sounded like Phil Spector met the Beatles. And it's a little too lush for me. It's a little too orchestral. It's got a little too much of this and that going on that I don't care for. I like the raw, the rawness that was, you know, a little bit more of like Abbey Road or, or the, the Beatles self-titled record, a.k.a. the White Album, where Phil Spector wasn't doing that. But then Phil Spector went on, and to Andrew's point earlier, cut those first few John Lennon solo projects with the Plastic Ono band, right? But his best work was George Harrison's first album, All Things Must Pass. Holy fuck, go listen to What Is Life. That's Phil Spector. That's Phil Spector's wall of sound, okay? What Is Life, that is the definition of the Phil Spector brand. 
on a George Harrison song. He co-produced that whole album. Later on, he produced a, one of my least favorite records by one of my favorite artists, Leonard Cohen, who is one of the greatest songwriters and greatest poets we have ever had on this entire planet. May he rest in peace. Leonard Cohen cut a record in, I want to say, 77, called Death, the, uh, Death of Ladies' Man. It is definitely one of my least favorite Leonard Cohen albums. It's just not, it just not, it just doesn't do it for me. But he produced that album, and yeah, 77, look at my notes, Death of a Ladies' Man, yeah. The song itself, that's the title track, is great. And if you're getting into Leonard Cohen, I wouldn't start there. But it's not its not a bad record. It's just one of my least favorite albums. So I'm going to look back into the chat now because it's really starting to blow up. Ken says, my friends who knew how well I know music trivia and stuff about music, they want me to try out for Name That Tune. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, you should give it a shot. John Gitben says, cultural evolution is very music-related and is a very interesting subject. Yeah, we can talk about that way more later. Andrew says, California Dreaming and Somebody to Love are great 60s music. That's the Mamas and the Papas and Jefferson Airplane, if anybody's taking notes for the quiz that we will have later. Weston says, so far, the Wall of Sound sounds like a recreation of something ancient. This is, That's interesting. Yes. Man, I know Andrew really likes the Beatles. He said, rest in peace, Sir George Martin. Facts all fucking day. Chris Martinez says, Sometimes producers do too much. In Utero is, is by far Nirvana's best album over Nevermind for that reason. Yes. Particularly in country music, which we will save for a later show, that has happened. I use the term overproduce. George Martin overproduced, let it be, in my opinion. That's why the George Martin uh, cuts sound far superior. It's the same, same thing happens, in, in especially with country music the last 20 years. Um, obviously pop music, it can happen at any point in time. Anything that you can hear can sound overproduced. Unfortunately, a lot of the overproduced stuff from the 80s has uh, started a second, like a second coming. People love that stuff now for nostalgic purposes. And it kind of turns my stomach, but that's a conversation for a different day. Then, in 1979, one of my favorite bands of all time, the Ramones, produced or cut an album with Phil Spector. And if you guys know the song Rock and Roll High School, uh, or uh, what's their other, what's the other, I oh, rock and roll radio, let's go, bump, bump, that song, those are both on that record. It's called End of the Century, uh, End of the Century, 1979. It's amazing, but it doesn't sound like any other Ramones record. Every other Ramones record are these two minute raw, you know, da na 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 na. So is this. It's just got that Phil Spector magic wand on top of it, right? That made it what it is. So, yeah, the Get Back documentary is going to be amazing. 100%. Sir Joker says, still confused but supporting my brother, Sir Rob. Sir Joker, if you're confused on anything, please write it in the comments and I will, I will read it and we'll figure out where you're lost or confused on. Because like I said, I know I'm breaking down a large piece of information to sit and digest. But we can talk about it more. I bring up the Ramones for this reason. There is a long list of people that Phil Spector has pulled a gun on. Phil Spector would carry a gun inside of his suit jacket all the time. And whenever he would get mad or somebody was disagreeing with him, he would pull that gun out. He's pulled a gun on John Lennon. He's pulled a gun on Debbie Harry. He's pulled a gun on the Ramones. He would pull a gun on Ronnie Spector. It's a legitimate thing, okay? And it's terrible. It's terrible. 
So for as much good as he did as a producer and as a, an inventor of sound, an inventor of getting sounds to sound the way that they did, he did all of these terrible things that almost make you want to erase all the good that he did. Okay, I'm going to look back into the comments. The music like that. Oh, haha. Still confused. Haha, I just don't know. Rob, you need to do a music history for Dummy Show. That's easy. I, I can do that literally without ever having to look on Google. I am the, you know, some people are really qualified to talk about Star Wars. I'm really qualified to talk about music, especially music history. Uh, my sister's in the chat. I've been confused since I got here. Helen, no offense. You have been, you get confused by most of my music things. Uh, little behind the scenes growing up. To this day, she calls me probably every day with questions because she heard something or saw something. And what is that? And I'm like, oh, blah, 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 blah. You know, 1974, this guy, you know, he was a sound engineer on this record, yada, yada, yada. And she's like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, I just thought everybody knew that. Like, for example, for the 18 people watching right now that all probably know the answer to this, what's a jigsaw? I thought everybody knew what that was. My bad. I apologize. We're learning here. So for dummies part, what's lower than that? <laughs> I'll sign up for that show. Well, we can definitely do it. Manipulating the sound of a song does not equal enhancing the sound, Phil. Exactly. Exactly. So this dude made some great records with some of my favorite artists in the 70s, though they're not particularly... Like, that's not my favorite Ramones album, nor my favorite Leonard Cohen album at all. But they were great records. What he did in the 60s was phenomenal. By the time the 80s hit, it's just a whole nother thing. And like I said, flash forward to 2003, he's pretty much a has-been at this point. And then he murders, he finally, he finally goes too far and he murders Lana Clarkson. So to me, that is the end of Phil Spector. It's, it's over, okay? It's a bad dude made a lot of great music, but then he did a lot of bad things that makes you want to erase it even though you can't. So his influence, I mean, dude worked on Concert for Bangladesh, the album. George Harrison invented Musicians Giving Back. He put on the first charity concert where you get a bunch of all-star musicians and play a rock and roll show. That was the Concert for Bangladesh. Phil Spector worked on the album version of that concert. You can't look through music history without seeing Phil Spector's name all over it. Unfortunately, he's a piece of shit. I can't say that enough because I don't want anybody to get the wrong impression that I like this guy. I do like some of the music that he created. I like a lot of the music that he created. And, you know... I can't end this show without talking about Ronnie Spector. You guys know the Eddie Money song, Take Me Home Tonight? You know in the chorus he goes, just like Ronnie sang, just like Ronnie sang. He's talking about Ronnie Spector. Ronnie Spector was a teenager. She cut all these songs. Be My Baby by the Ronettes. You guys have ever seen Dirty Dancing? That's the song. That's the song. Okay? Wesson says, maybe I shouldn't be in three different chants at once. Facts. Jigsaw, the main character from Saw. Exactly. You know what I'm talking about, Sir Joker. Y'all do. 
I used to read everything on an album as soon as I was able to read. Absolutely. That's why my vinyl collection, I've learned more from reading through books and reading through albums, looking at the artwork, looking at the names, who made this track, who mixed it, who was the audio engineer. It's the way to go. It's always been the way to go. And the way music is now, it's so different. Like, I'm learning all this stuff about Spotify. I've been making these playlists for our, for our world friends groups, right? And all this stuff, and it's like, man, it you don't get you don't get all the stuff that you get with a record or a CD to learn about the people that worked on the album. It's like the credits at the end of a movie, right? So Ronnie Spector, look her up. Her story is crazy. Not that it didn't happen, that the world let it happen to her with, with a monster like Phil. And then I'm going to end this with Darlene Love. Darlene Love was in a one was in one of Phil Spector's groups. He would he would just hire these these singers and he'd give them a name. The Crystals, right? Prime example, okay? Darlene Love sang the lead vocals on He's a Rebel by The Crystals, even though she wasn't in The Crystals. It was credited to as The Crystals, but she sang on it. And it took people years and years and years to finally figure that out. Darlene Love, uh, you guys know her. She played uh, um, Danny Glover's wife in the Lethal Weapon franchise. This girl was broke cleaning houses in the 80s, even though she had sang on some of the biggest records of her time because she wasn't paid properly, contract negotiations, residuals, uh, royalties, and most people didn't even give her credit that she was singing on these songs. So Darlene Love, like I said, if you go watch that documentary I was talking about earlier, 20 Feet from Stardom, you'll learn a lot more about her. And I can't recommend it enough. So in closing, Monster, Music Master, Murderer, Phil Spector. Go check out some of the music that he created. But most, most importantly, Support the artists that worked on all of those songs. Whoa, wait, what? I love the Lethal Weapon. I need to research her life. Absolutely. Absolutely. We don't like Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson, bad dude. Bad dude. We'll talk about him later. But the Lethal Weapon movies as a whole are pretty solid films. I want to thank you guys. Thank you guys for your donations. I do have to end this stream, unfortunately, because I have to get to something else. But uh, before I get out of here, I'm going to do some shout-outs real quick. Uh, just basically who I see. we got Sir Joker, Matt, Ken, Weston, Andrew, Star, Bruce, Ryan. Uh, I saw Glenn in here earlier. I saw Jake in here earlier. Thank you guys for watching this. I hope you've learned something. Leave me comments. Tell me what you want to learn more about. And I can do full hour long or longer than an hour. Um episodes on those specific topics because I know I threw a lot of information at you guys I just know from some of the groups that I'm in a lot of people didn't know who Phil Spector was and I felt it necessary to explain good and evil and everything in between thank you guys very much y'all have a great night and we will see you very very soon